Jeff, we missed last week. I am, you can't see because I have my Brooklyn Nine-Nine Zoom background. I am recording in my new house. I have finally moved. So I'm not fully unpacked yet, but I am in the new house. So I think you've only recorded from like two places, like your old house and then your new house. I've recorded from like my house in South Carolina, the house I just moved from, now this house, my in-law's house, my parents' house, my old office, uh, you know, like at a random hotel in Odessa, Texas. The I've recorded all over the place. I think but... I, I think I could. Yeah. Like I think I recorded from maybe a hotel when I was traveling once, but that's pretty well it for me. Yeah. So this is, I'm in the new, the, the officially the new studio and it feels good. I mean, we didn't, we, we missed last week cause I was moving. I was, I took the whole week off. I was packing, doing everything. You were still dealing with the fallout of your new product launch and migration, everything at work where you were working till like 11 o'clock at night, every night last week. Yeah. And our schedules never aligned. And so for that, I truly apologize to our many devoted listeners. We have not forgotten you. No. And you up until this us. point, we've never missed an episode. No, we've, we've done solo in the times where it hasn't aligned. But last week we dropped the ball. We did. We absolutely did. And that's a problem. So we apologize, but we're back this week and we're back with, uh, dare I say, a banger of an episode is what we're back with. So before we get into it, I got a new monitor. So I have two screens, right? Like, and I really, I have one screen. I have my laptop that I just hook my HDMI cable up to. And my laptop, my little laptop is my first screen, but I really just work on my one big giant mega screen. Mm, I've always how had how this, big is it? Well, I've always had, it's always been like a 32 inch screen. Like uh-huh. it's a pretty good size screen. My dad went out and bought some giant curved screen that paid way too much money for, but I got his old screen and his old screen was already kind of a new screen. I think it's 40 something inches now. Is it a, a, one of the wide screens? It's, it's, yeah, it's wide. It's not like the super long ones that like you almost need two stands. Right. But it's, I mean, it's long. I, I've got this desk and this desk is an L shape. I mean, it's not the biggest desk in the world, but it takes up the entire corner and like hangs off the edge still. So I'm mm-hmm. still working on how to like make this fit on the desk. I have, my windows are open in quarters and it feels like it's about the same size as my laptop screen. So I've thought about getting one of those jumbo ones and with my new job, I got a home office budget so I could like buy stuff. And I was like, Oh, do I want to get one of these jumbo screens? I don't know. And so I thought about it and then ultimately decided against it because I use like the, I like doing like where you snap your windows to go like half screen or like full screen or whatever, where you drag it to the edge. Mm-hmm. And I use that all the time and it, that doesn't really work very well. Or you have to like do a bunch of custom shortcuts and things to be able to get it. And also because I am writing scripts all day long, I have two monitors. One is normal. And then I have one, I have a vertical monitor. Right. The big one that's upside down. So it's, they're both. So I have two 27 inch monitors, but one is just normal. And then the other is flipped 90 degrees. And so the, I, so I normally have like Spotify or like podcast, whatever I'm listening to is on my laptop screen stuff I'm working on or other things are on the main screen. And then on the vertical screen, I have Slack and our discord 
and the messages like my texts stacked three in a row and then i'll put like my code editor on top of that and flip back and forth between those there we go that's my battle station that that is and that's a good battle station uh now i have this mega screen i have quarters and then i have my laptop that's i mean it's a regular size laptop what are they like 16 inches 12 i don't know what the normal size is anyway so just a new setup so i'm a little bit Feel it a little bit different. Do I look more HD on the camera? You do. Speaking of how you look, you didn't even notice that I shaved. Well, I did notice. I haven't commented yet, but uh, I did notice. Uh, it's a rare occasion, folks. Uh, my beard is currently longer than Garrett's. It's true. Now, by I'm... like Sunday, that won't be true. Not because <laughs> yeah. I'm going to shave, but because you look like you're from Kuwait if you don't <laughs> shave. That's true. I, I had sinus surgery last Friday. Mm. Or like a, And so I have to like... You know, all of the things that come, like anytime you shove something that far up your nose, there's all sorts of nasty stuff coming out. Yeah, I was not yeah. about to mix that with my mustache. So I just went no guard on the trimmer, shave it all off and let it start over. Cause I was not about to be filtering stuff out of like, ugh. Garrett, I did some investigative journalism today and i can't take any and, real credit. and like my nose this also this relates to bodily fluids <laughs> <laughs> yeah i guess it does i guess it does um i'm sure most of our listeners by now have heard of this and i really can't take a lot of the credit I, or really any of the credit for the investigative journalism uh christian judd of the social hall podcast they're a youth they're youth focused, I'll say, but they, they cover a wide array of topics. And I was on a couple of weeks ago uh, on their show to talk BYU. Great guys, Andrew McCullough, Christian Judd. They're both well-educated men. Uh, it's a fun show to listen to. Christian, I, I, let me back up. Westminster College, it became apparent on the social medias today that Westminster College offers a porn class, class film dash 300 O titled. No, no I don't think it's film. It's GNDR because it's part of like the gender studies department. Hold on. This oh. is all part of the unraveling oh, that gosh. we have to do. So film dash 300 O porn, two credits. It's a class that let me just read it verbatim what it said on the website and i said said as in past tense because the unraveling hardcore pornography is as american as apple pie and more popular than sunday night football our approach to this billion dollar industry is as both a cultural phenomenon that reflects and reinforces sexual inequalities but holds the potential to challenge sexual and gender norms and as an art form that requires serious contemplation. We will watch pornographic films together and discuss the sexualization of race, class, and gender as an experimental radical art form. So this is some random right-wing blog, I think is what's, where it started. And then people like Candace Owens picked it up and it kind of went everywhere. So Christian, I saw it early in the day. I laughed. I thought it was kind of funny. I assumed that Westminster College had been hacked. Like no way that a reputable academic institution 
Not only would they well, offer, a I don't know if this reputable because remember a few the last time Westminster went viral, it was because that math professor got mad that Panda Express was paying people more than Westminster <laughs> paid him. <laughs> I do remember this, and so maybe you're right. Westminster's expensive though for what it is, which is weird. Uh, it's one thing to offer a porn class, which I, I feel like that probably doesn't exist. That's what I felt. But it was the, the description of the class that made me think, no way this is real, right? I assumed somebody hacked them, some student hacked them, made a funny joke, it went viral, and here we are. Well, Christian thought the same thing. Well, actually, Christian was a denier at first, because by the time he saw this on the, on the internet, he went to Westminster's class catalog. Lo and behold, it's gone. They no longer show that they offer film-300. And so he took a screenshot of that and said, look, guys, don't believe everything you see on the internet. Clearly, this is fake. A reasonable conclusion to make given what he had at his disposal. Well, I looked up the cached internet, right? How the, the web archives, that everything that's cached, gets stored. Right. I looked it up. And at about three o'clock this afternoon, <laughs> Westminster College made a change on their website. So I was able to see the pre-change website and send it over to Christian. It's like, nah, dude, this is real. It was actually here. But that he got to the same point that I was, right? Well, obviously this is hacked. It was a joke. They went and they fixed it. And that's why it's been removed. But like a good gentleman, a scholarly man of academia that Christian Judd is, he decided, no, I can't just make this conclusion and assume that I know. So he called Westminster College. First time he called, he called the arts department because that's where this class was, was originally housed is under their arts and film group. And he got a voicemail. They just didn't take his call straight up. So then he decided to call the, the, uh, like the general line. He gets to their operator and he says, hey, I'm just looking to, to understand a little bit more about one of the classes that I think you guys offer. And <laughs> the poor guy at the general line, he must have just been like woefully unaware of what was going on, because I have to assume that they've been flooded with calls like this today. But this guy who picked up the phone for Christian was like super nice, was like, oh, my gosh, yeah, of course, that sounds like it's in the arts department. Let me transfer you right over. And so he transferred him right over to this, this lady. And the lady was very helpful, very kind. And Christian said, hey, look, I've got a, a student who I'm considering. He has a daughter who just graduated high school or is graduating high school. They're looking at college options. And he said, look, I potentially considering sending her to Westminster College. I just wanted to, to ask about the validity of some of your classes. And she's like, great. Yeah, anything, anything I can do to help. And he's like, well, let me ask you about film 300-0 titled Porn. Is that a real class that you actually offer? The response from this lady was not a yes. It was not a no. It was, sir, I need to get you in touch with the director of our marketing department to answer that question. She had been coached. Very well coached. And so Christian pushed back, was like, well, I'm not asking for details of the class. I just want to know if this is a real class that's offered. And she said, sir, I'm only prepared to answer with what I have already answered you. Thank you for your time today and hung up the phone. That is a non-answer, clearly, but that 
feels like a non-confirmation confirmation. Yeah. It has since so. been confirmed by other people, like now the news is on this, that uh, this is in fact a real class. But Westminster College has changed their class catalog, the public catalog, to now they, instead of offering, like they, they used to list out, they had the film-300 series and it was special topics in film and you could earn anywhere between one and four credits. And then they had uh, a couple of different classes, one of them being the porn class and another one was horror films. Uh, those are all gone. They're no longer listed on the website. Still taught, presumably, but no longer listed on the website. I have questions. So that was the investigation. Great investigation. Thank you, Christian. He called me along the way, roped me in. I have questions. Okay. Did you read the, I don't, I don't remember at the start of this. Did you read the description? Oh yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. It's, I'm just so flabbergasted by this whole thing. When people, okay. You, I have a rant, but you, you start with your questions. Well, my questions are, okay, I don't want to really get into like the, I know people are like disgusted by this class and that's fine. Be disgusted. I know that other people are like, whatever about this. I, I don't really care. Like if I take and put on my objective hat, it's objectively disgusting to sit and watch porn. And like, that's like part of my questions uh, with a bunch of like kids in class in like a, you know, an auditorium, like a, like a, a professor's hall. Like that feels weird to me. Uh, but also like, look, there is a lot of people that consume porn and maybe some, some education about what porn is not, not from the arts department and not in the name of like gender liquidity, whatever, but maybe some public education about porn and the effects thereof. And, you know, is it good? Is it bad? Let's talk about it. Maybe I could wrap my head around it, but that's not really what my questions are about. My questions are about one, this class has to be pass fail, right? Because how do you get a B minus in porn? <laughs> it's gotta be pass fail. Because uh, yeah. if I, I can't imagine for the life of me what you're being graded on based on the description that we saw, like are, what are the porn tests? Like what are the essays that you're writing about porn? It sounds like the lectures are watching porn. So that, that's my first question is how on earth is this graded? And the second question is like, <laughs> if this was like porn studies, I could maybe like wrap my head around like dumb college kids, like laughing with each other and saying, yeah, let's sign up for that. But this is like, they're watching porn. And that feels like something you don't do with a group <laughs> of like 50 students. Well, I think there's only like 50 students total that go to Westminster, right? I think there's more than you think. There's like a, I just looked, there's like 1500 undergrads and then 500 grad students. Okay. So not none. So yeah, I don't, I just cannot imagine thinking, oh yeah, I'm going to go take this class. Or if this was, I mean, here's the problem, right? This is the kind of people who would take this class are, especially because it's not just like a, ha ha frat bro like this would be funny right the description right. is like very like we're gonna analyze it like i think it included like like 
we racial will, and like yeah, yeah, yeah. We political. Will, it was like talking about like the political impact. Our our approach to this billion dollar industry is as both a cultural phenomenon that reflects and reinforces sexual inequalities, but holds the potential to challenge sexual and gender norms, and is an art form that requires serious contemplation. No, the hell it does not. So yeah, like no frat bro is gonna be going like, oh yes, let me like. Ha- meta think about like this one an so, art form that requires serious contemplation like i'm not an art guy but i've seen people go to like art galleries and they sit and they can stare at a painting and talk about like maybe what the artist was thinking okay i've also seen the league and i've watched rafi and dirty randy how they make porns right so like there's no serious contemplation required it's porn yes what are you contemplating it makes no sense to me it makes no sense whatsoever. Like I would, I would sooner believe like that they have coaches and you're like breaking it down like it's film, and you are like learning technique like <laughs> that. I could at least like say, okay, yeah, there's a logical conclusion that takes me from point A to point B. I can get there. But what are you contemplating as an art form in porn class? Like what the plumber or the pizza boy or is really at your house for? It I makes, don't yeah, are, like, are you looking for the quality of acting? Because I can assure you, it's not there. The so I want I want to know is like how I'm glad that this is not at a public university where it's like yeah. your tax. Well, I guess every student that goes to Westminster have or probably have federal student loans or Pell Grants. So our tax dollars are still paying for this, (laughs) which is like, which is stupid because if the, if education is going or like tax dollars are going to be subsidizing or paying for secondary education, then they should be job factories. And you can go on YouTube and you can read and you can learn everything else on your own time, unless you like want to go get a doctorate degree, right? Like that's basically everyone's like, Oh, we need to be more like Europe. That's basically how it works in Germany. And most of the other like higher performing countries in the European union, like in Germany, only like only it's like less than it's like 50% or less of people graduate from high school in Germany. Yeah. The rest go and work for like Volkswagen. Right. Well, cause it's like you graduating from high school is like the equivalent of getting an associate's degree here. So it's like, you do like an aptitude test or basically decide what you want to do. And unless you want to go be like a doctor or a lawyer or get a PhD or something, then you just drop out of high school and you go to a vocational school. But when we see here vocational school, we think of, oh, dumb kid who goes to become an electrician or a certified mechanic, but their vocational school is like you study accounting for 18 months and then you go become an accountant and you can get a full-time job as an entry-level accountant at 18 and you're fine. Right. Um, so, which is much better system than racking up. Imagine if your kid is like, you're paying $40,000 a year for your kid to go to Westminster. And it's like, Hey, Sally, Johnny, what classes you taking this semester? What am I paying for? And English they, 10, 10, math, 10, 50 and uh, porn. <laughs> yeah. Like I shocking to me. I, and an indictment on where we are as a society, like, because even if I could like put on my objective hat and come up with a rational, like, okay, porn is like they're they're not wrong when they say it's consumed more than Sunday night football. It it is right. So like, okay, maybe we do need to educate ourselves. Which fine, like that's a you know like I can maybe justify the existence of a class that did something like that, 
but still an indictment on society for consuming more porn than football. Like this is insanity. We, we have lost it. The world is on fire. I really believe that our morality is on fire. And this isn't even like a church thing. We're a BYU podcast. We can talk a little bit about the church. This has nothing to do with the church. The world has no more moral compass, like morality. And, and, and maybe I should say this. <laughs> they have no unified moral compass. Like for, and I think this is true. Like up until the last decade or two, really, you know, the bulk of our, remembered lifetimes whether it was christianity or whatever it was like there was some semblance of a moral compass of what was right and what was wrong and 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 i don't know if that was the correct moral compass or whatever there was something but there was something that the vast majority of the population believed this is good and this is bad but that doesn't exist anymore like everybody has their own moral compass and I, I get why, like I, you know, if you look at like the, the, the theology of how it came to be where we all are, where we are, like, I understand how it got here, but like, what a weird world that we're living in. This is a conversation for another day. The world is on fire. The BYU basketball program is not on fire. Okay. Nick Emery's Twitter account is on fire and not on the. No, I guess it, the account itself is not on fire because when something is on fire, it's like, oh, that's really good. Like it is a, imagine the world's biggest dumpster that is filled yeah. with the world's biggest oil spill and the entire thing is just burning and going up in flames and there is nothing that every firefighter in the world and, could do. And I don't think to it's put it out growing like i think in the coming days with the news that's coming down the pipeline that tweet that originally started the fire is only going to have like some mixture of kerosene and gasoline and lighter fluid all together thrown on top of it and it's going to be nuclear yeah and it's it's not it's not pretty. He can, you can go look if you want. It, the most ironic thing is when someone was like, hey, just someone basically was like, step away. Obviously, you know, Mark Pope and the BYU basketball, it's a touchy situation for you. Like, just step away. Like, you're married. You got a kid now. Like, go. You don't need to involve yourself with this, whatever. Like, it seems like you've got some unresolved things. He was like, it was, but you know, it's always funny when people scream back like the, I'm not upset about this. I don't have one result. I'm totally at peace with the night, but I'm going to go on this other tweet rant and like go call out everybody else and start tiring people and call it like, it's just strange. ridiculous, ridiculous. Like it, it's weird. And, and, and so if you haven't seen it, I don't know how you haven't, uh, he went on, I mean, shit, let's, let's just read it. Like we can read it. Right. I mean, I it's don't public wanna... there. So it's, yeah. It's out there, right? So Nick Emery, at 04 Nick Emery. And the, the ultimate irony in all of this is that his profile picture is still him in a BYU basketball jersey. Uh, and his, I think his bio just says college basketball player. So it's Former like, collegiate basketball player. So it's like, that's the problem right there is he says he's moved on, but his entire identity is ra- still wrapped up in the fact that he was good at basketball. And, and always do your best and own the results that's the other part of his bio well you can own vacated wins and you owned a jetta 
No. Well, that's Sarah Johnson's fault. And why do I know the name of his ex-wife? Because he just put it out there this week in the midst of all of his Twitter drama. So Jay Catch tweets out, and we'll talk a lot about this later on. Uh, Caleb Loner and Gideon George have submitted their individual requests to put their names into the NCAA transfer portal. Nick Emery quotes the tweet, says, what have I been saying for the last three years? And y'all think I'm crazy with the head slapping emoji and a, a laughing emoji. Players and coaches wanting out. I knew time would tell. BYU basketball needs to reconsider. Okay, well, like, clearly, he's a guy who was pushed out by Pope, which I understand. Like, I get why I don't he think he was pushed out. Like, he, I think he would have. He had a chance and then got pushed out. Well, or I didn't think get invited back, maybe. He had back. a chance. So what I had heard happened is there was something. So it was like, he got remarried, right? Or he was engaged at this point. And he's living up in Rexburg or Idaho Falls now, somewhere in Idaho. And he became an insta dad because she had a child from her. She That's he a married tough thing to do. He married for a, him. He married a widow and she That's had a child. Great. And so That's like, she was gonna to, to stay near her family. And so I believe that he was like, Well, I'll just come down like during the week and then I'll like drive home one or two days a week and then come back. And Pope was kind of like I don't think that's really going to work, dude. Like, that's not like, go be a dad. Like, this is not what you need to be focusing on right now, whatever, like, you know, and, and so it's like, he could have gone and applied for a waiver and like transferred to Idaho state and gone and played in Pocatello. Right. But he didn't. And so, or if he probably didn't have a scholarship, it's like, Hey, you need to come back as a walk-on because sorry, <laughs> like we can't hold your right. spot for you. I have no idea what happened. Like, I'm not going to pretend to know. I, I've never talked to Nick or anybody else about it. So I think, I don't know, whatever happened is that guess sounds as good as any other guest I've ever heard. I have no idea. Uh, but he's got jaded feelings towards, towards Mark Pope, which I understand. Um, I don't think I agree with those feelings. And I certainly don't agree with the way that he expresses those feelings. I think it's just very like vindictive and very, irresponsible the way that he goes about like getting his point across. I, I don't think it benefits him. It, it certainly doesn't benefit him and it doesn't go any further to uh, advancing the cause that he believes he's fighting for. So like, it's just comes across as nuts, but then these are the kinds of things that have been happening this, this, this week. So the tweet that you were just kind of alluding to. So somebody responded to him and said, you were the reason the program had to vacate wins and you don't even have the humility all these years to just keep quiet. Could it be you were pushed out because just as you are showing now, you are selfish and only care about yourself? Well, his response, like, okay, that's kind of a dick tweet. I get it. But his response was dick tweet, but like, accurate. <laughs> maybe people like you are why people like me leave this godforsaken church. I have never been selfish. You go through a public divorce and tell me how you would have handled it. Know all the facts before you start casting judgment. Good God, you members are total assholes. What in the world did this guy say that sparked anything about the church? I don't think anybody knew that he got divorced until the whole Jetta, like until he got caught by the incident. Like that was, I mean, that was well after the fact of him being divorced, I believe. I, like, I don't know. I'm not going to pretend it. I have no idea. But like, my goodness. So, <laughs> that's going on. But here's the thing, ladies and gentlemen, is the, the program is actually not on fire. Let me break this down. This is how I think. 
first we start with Brother Burgess. Coach Burgess left BYU and took the an assistant job. I think it was the lead assistant, but that's not like in the official job description or anything. So who knows? Uh, took an assistant job at the University of Utah. And immediately, everybody has kind of gone to this conclusion of like, well, how could he leave with the Big 12, like the best basketball conference in America to go to this Utah team that hasn't done anything in forever? Lincoln uh, Riley. USC well, ain't done anything forever, right? It's, right. It's the easy path. He just he wants the easy way out, but he's going <laughs> well, to his alma mater. Maybe it's that, but that's the that's it right there, right? Chris Burgess was a, I always want to call him Craig Burgess because of Craig Smith, and then it really just messes with me. But Chris Burgess was a Ute who coached at BYU. Like he played at Utah. His daughter plays volleyball at Utah. Chris Burgess is a Utah guy. And that's great. That's wonderful, right? Like that's good for him. Kalani was the BYU guy coaching at Utah for a long time. Chris Burgess is a Utah guy. Him going to Utah has way more to do with Utah than it does BYU. But immediately after it happened, everybody wanted to make it about BYU. It was, well, why would an assistant leave? Because obviously he hates Mark Pope. Maybe he does hate Mark Pope, but he's coached with him for the last seven years and followed him from UVU to BYU. I don't think that it has anything to do with Mark Pope. And at the end of the season, everybody, I mean, nobody is happy with the way the season finished. Nobody. I know that Mark Pope takes losses because I've heard from people on the staff that it's like they lose a game at the Marriott Center. They know they're not going to be home till four o'clock the next morning because he makes them immediately go in and start watching film. Like he is, it is, he is an insanely hard worker and expects a ton and it is after you like losing it's grinding losing isn't fun and so he makes it even less fun to lose because of he expects to immediately identify and correct and go through things and so when you have like that last three and a half months of the season just really three months of the season sucked and it was so i guess two and a half sucked and was so awful that it's like everybody in the room probably like they all hate each other nobody liked their locker room was good the staff was probably frustrated you know you you know burgess knew like as soon as the utah jump opened he started talking to them there's probably guys that you know everyone's always talking to other schools and kind of seeing what's out there at the end of every season things are happening and it's like people are frustrated but then you get out of the season and you're like okay let's go on a vacation for a week take a little break calm down Okay, that, well, and, like that was circumstantial, right? We don't it, right. hate each other. And and I think that's what's going on. So Chris Burgess leaves. Everybody's like, oh, everybody wants to get away from Pope. And, and maybe that's true. I have no idea. It doesn't really matter. I know that Chris Burgess, had he been offered the assistant job with Craig Smith's uh, staff at Utah last year, he would have taken it last year. And that was when BYU was coming off a six seed in the, the NCAA tournament. Like he's a Utah guy. He wanted to go back to his alma mater. Like, hard to blame anybody for that. Like, good for him. Like, happy for him. Thank you for your three years at BYU. Uh, Maybe he comes back in the future. Who knows? I have no idea what the future holds. But Chris Burgess was like the the start of this. And Nick Emery's tweet kind of alluded to it. Players and coaches wanting out. I don't think it's as much wanting out as much as it was wanting Utah. Chris Burgess wasn't looking to go take the Cal job. Like he wasn't looking to go and find his way on staff at, at, at Kansas state. He went to Utah because Utah's where he grad, 
graduated. Utah is where he's from. Utah is that's him. He's a Utah guy. His daughter's playing volleyball at Utah starting next year. It, it just made sense. Okay, so now we move to the transfers. And BYU's had a mess of transfers. There's no question about it. There have been uh, a lot more transfers out of the BYU program this year than, than I remember there ever being. Now, there's always a few. People seem to forget that, like, it was just a year ago that, that Colby Lee and Connor Harding uh, left the program, right? Like, it wasn't – it's not like BYU never has transfers. But there's been a lot. I think that's fair to say. So let's just kind of go through them. Uh, the first one, right, was the Dowdle kid. I don't even know his name. Jeremy? Jeremy Dowdle? He, he's so a walk-on. A walk-on. Doesn't matter. Yeah, non-story. Great kid. Good luck. Non-story. Next one is Nate Hansen, and I think you and I are both a little bit surprised that he was ever on the roster to begin with. Yep. He was Rose's guy. Uh, Pope didn't recruit him. Came home from a mission. He played 17 minutes this year. So he leaves – he, he is leaving a program that is now coached by a guy that he never coached and a program that is going from competing in the West coast conference to the big 12. And it's a guy that didn't want you to begin with. Like he didn't recruit him at UVU. You right. know what I mean? So like non-story like sucks. Yeah. I guess he was a scholarship guy. Non-story Hunter Erickson is next. And this one stings because Hunter Erickson's an elite athlete, but I think, that anybody who watched uh, watched him over the last two years, and he didn't get to play a ton, but when he did get to play, do you ever did you ever get the impression that he was a guy that even with time and development was going to replace Alex Barcelo? No, I, I don't think so. Right, and, and here's the thing: is this is something that I think kind of is lost on people a little bit is okay, he needed time to, de to develop in the last two years so that he could be ready right now. That's great in theory, but last year, BYU, or I guess two years ago now, BYU was a six seed. Like they were winning a lot of games and thought that they had the pieces in place to make a run in the tournament. And then this, this past year, they were fighting for a spot that if they lose one less game, they're probably in the tournament. Like they were a team that was in win now mode and even if Hunter Erickson eventually develops into being a great, great player, he wasn't that this last two years. He was not in win-now mode. So the only time he was going to get was garbage time, and that's what he got. And so it's hard for me to, like, blame the coaching staff for not developing Hunter Erickson. Sure, they probably could have found more minutes for him here and there. But he was not a player who was ready to, to lead the team toward, towards more wins this year and this was a team that was looking to win now. I also kind of take some umbrage with the, like, he didn't get minutes. And so that's why he wasn't developed because it's like, they're practicing every day. And so it's like, if you, we only see half of the equation. And yeah. so it's, if you are making no practice or no improvement in practice, then why would they think that giving you minutes when it actually counts is going to suddenly be the spark that drives you to be better? And like, yeah. you know, gets you, makes you improve. And so that's how like guys, I mean, we saw it with, uh, you know, Ali Aliotiki and Foose, right? Like throughout the year, they got a few minutes at the beginning and they got limited minutes, but they started getting more because those minutes were productive. Like even the minutes that Hunter Erickson did have, they were not productive. Yeah. And then you see him for hours a week in practice. And if those weren't good and not productive either, then what else do you expect them to do? 
Yeah, and I think that's a great way to put it. So to me, the Hunter Erickson transfer, it stings a little because you could see the athleticism, but if you watched him play, it's not an impact. It's a free scholarship. Uh, then you move to Gavin Baxter, who announced that he was entering the transfer portal. Up until now, everybody thought he, he was done with basketball. He was honored at senior night. So Yeah, I he, was, think he was honored the- at senior night. And, and why would you want next year in the year that you're really got to start getting your pieces together to start, you know, trying to win obviously next year, but also build for the big 12. How many minutes realistically are you going to want to invest into a guy who's coming off his third season ending injury and has one year of eligibility? Yeah. He's played 17 games in the last three years with three season ending injuries. Like, yeah. Like, I, I hope he makes it. Like, I don't care where he goes. I hope Gavin Baxter can stay healthy for an entire season because he could do great, 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 great things. But that's a non-story for BYU. Like, they had already moved on. Uh, now we get to Caleb Lohner, and <sighs> Caleb Lohner hurts. Not because of what he did on the court. Like, his, I mean, ultimately, it was like seven points, seven rebounds a night. It hurts because of what Caleb Lohner represented. Like Caleb Lohner was a huge, huge, huge recruit, uh, had had offers from everywhere, legacy guy, had the, you know, the drama with signing with Utah and then transferring to BYU. He just never was able to put it together. And maybe he will, right? Like that's what you're upset about with Caleb Lohner is the potential was there. I don't think you're mad that he transferred because you can replace seven points and seven boards. You're mad that he's transferring because he didn't develop. And what we don't know is did he not develop because maybe it was the wrong scheme or the coaches couldn't figure out how to get the most out of him or did he develop because, or did he not develop because maybe he wasn't as good as we thought he was. We don't know that answer. I think we have some guesses. I think we know, I think it's probably more to do with Caleb than it is Mark Pope because we've seen guys like, Yoli and Foose and Natiki Ali Atiki. We've seen other bigs develop, but I don't know, right? We're not going to know until we see Caleb Lohner and, and finish a lot out of it, his career. I guess, right? Because we expected Caleb Lohner to come in and be like a sharp shooting three on the wing or kind of playing like four. But because of injuries and things, he ended up playing a lot more down in the post and became a rebounding machine. And it's like, maybe that doesn't fit his game. But again, back to kind of what I'm saying, it's when you're shooting like 25% from deep and you're supposed to be a three-point shooter, it's tough. It's not like he didn't have chances to say, hey, yeah, put me on the perimeter and let me chuck it, right? And it's not like they were 25%, but like, oh, he's just a little bit off. Like, no, I wasn't even close. Right, like his shot was was just bad. Bad, and I don't know. I It seemed to have clicked, and he did really well in WCC play his freshman year. And then something, it just completely fell apart. So, and it's hard to say, like, is that the staff? Because he struggled at the beginning of his freshman year, then figured it out, but then he unfigured it out. So So that's what hurts is the the, the missed out on the potential, right? Like we're always going to look at Caleb Lohner kind of the same way BYU fans look at Jake Heaps, but like ultimately Jake Heaps went to Kansas and then went to Miami and didn't really do much there either we still like to point it out that BYU couldn't do things with Jake keeps five-star quarterback couldn't do anything with him. Uh, recruiting services got it wrong, right? Like that's just kind of what it was. We'll find out what that is with loner, but here's what has fans so upset about loner is immediately after he transferred, he was linked to coach Burgess and Utah. 
and it was all but assumed that that's where he was going to go. Uh, one, I don't think that's where he's going to go. There is more to the Caleb Loner story, and I'm not going to delve into it because one, it's not my story to tell. Two, I don't know enough details to be 100% accurate, but suffice to say, there's some stuff going on with Caleb Lohner that frankly could have played a role in his performance on the court this year. Like he's got some stuff that, that would be stressful for anybody. So best of luck to him. I hope he figures it out. I don't think he ends up at Utah. And if that rumor did not exist, or if he was linked to Washington or any other school, I don't think people are ready to just hang Mark or Pope from a spit like they are. And, they're mad because Caleb Lohner's being linked to Utah, and they're not only because Caleb linked, Lohner's leaving BYU. And they're only being linked to Utah because of Chris Burgess, but nobody has public, publicly discussed the relationship between Burgess and Lohner. For all we know, Chris Burgess doesn't think Caleb Lohner's that good in his trash and doesn't want to, like, did, you know, he's like, I'm done with him. You're not going to develop whatever. And he doesn't yeah, want right. it, right? right? Like, there's no indication that Utah is even interested again in Lohner. After they, he spurt, after he signed and then transferred once. Correct. Now, different coaching staff, but yeah, still true. Um, then we move to Gideon George. So I guess wrapping up the Caleb Loner stuff on court, I don't think this really matters much at all. It's 7.7 boards. You figure it out. Which, which that's the, I mean, in George is basically the same numbers, a little better shooter, but push some about the same numbers. So the, somebody, the most bizarre thing is someone's like, these are guys who are going to be playing a ton of minutes and going to be starters next year. And it's like, they were this year. So if that's what you have and it's not very good, do you think it's magically going to change next year? Or do you say, Hey, it's 2022. Let's go get like four transfers and run it back because that's how college basketball works now. So Gideon George, you alluded to it. Uh, he was the next to announce his transfer. Uh, pretty much the same story. That ton of athleticism, ton of potential, showed flashes of being great during his first year, his junior year in the program. Um, was given a bigger role this past season and didn't do a ton with it. A little bit better, uh, but a little bit better shooter this year than he was the year before. Scored more points, played a few more minutes, but by and large, the same player. The potential's there, and that's what everybody freaks out about, is you don't want to lose the potential. But as far as on the court, it just wasn't quite there. Now, here's the next thing with Gideon George, right? One, I don't think that story's done being told, so everybody put your pitchforks away. Uh, Number two, he clearly has pro aspirations, right? Like he said he was going to go to the NBA draft, get his feedback, come back to college. He was a starter at the beginning of the year and was expected to have a big, big role at BYU this year. He ended up averaging like 21 minutes a game. So he is a fifth-year guy who has pro aspirations, and he's only getting 21 minutes a game at the school that, that he's been at for two years, and his minutes were decreasing by the end of the year. If you're a guy with pro potential and you think you can get there, you think you're that good, aren't you going to just take your last year of eligibility and find a school like Colorado state that's going to guarantee you 30 minutes a game. And you're just going to go and try to put together some highlights for European teams. Probably that's what I would do. 
So to me, it's a non-story, but also it's a story that's not done being told. So everybody, let's just chill out. So we've kind of gone through everybody and none of them, it's not like you're losing Foose, you know, you're not losing a, a young kid first year in the program freshman that's like becoming the anchor of your team. You're not losing that guy. You're losing guys who are at the back end of their career who aren't going to be around in a couple of years and who haven't really panned out the way you hope. If you want to get mad at Mark Pope and his staff for not developing those players and getting more out of that talent that you thought you had, or maybe even criticize their recruiting evaluations, I don't agree with you, but that's fine, right? Like that's a valid criticism. But if you're getting mad because the players that were lost are lost, I don't, I don't think this is the time for that. Yeah, there's it's really kind of come back to is like what is really missing like how hard is it to find eight points a game from somebody right any person that you give 30 minutes to i would hope they could give you eight points a game yep so totally i think agree also lost i think there are going to be a good number of transfer visitors i think we're going to be working the portal hard i think we will be surprised with the guys that we do pull in and we have a lot of good rms coming back next year i mean a month ago whatever we were looking at having no scholarships available next year at all unless we had guys transfer out and so now we can go in and can get pieces and honestly I know fans who want to see like a high school kid come in, be there for four years, whatever. It's just, honestly, I would much rather live in the portal and go get a kid, like go get more Elijah Bryant's where it's like, okay, you went and started as a freshman at a team in the colonial and the, you lit it up. You are proven as a D one player and tested much better than any high school player was tested let's go take you because you won't perform. I don't care about your star rating. Yep. Yep. I mean, for me, it's that simple for sure. Uh, Avril Lavigne has a new album. Did she, you know this? Avril Lavigne died in 2007 and she has a body double. Uh, I agree. Like I want to agree, but this new Avril Lavigne album, album sounds just like old Avril. Oh. So, so, so it's throwing a wrench into the conspiracy that she's been dead for all these years. I was fully on board up until the album came out. Uh, she Avril, had to go on, she had to go and make things complicated. <laughs> that was good. Well done. Avril's my girl, man. Like she was my first crush and I still think she's my, my like primary main celebrity crush. Really? Avril Lavigne. Yeah, of it. all the people, in the I world. mean, it's probably ScarJo is the real number one, but Avril's right there. Okay, like she's top five for sure. Okay, okay. Um, we didn't talk about Ryder Burton at all, did we? I can't remember. I think he got his offer after we have met. Yes, like um, or no? Well, we didn't record last week, so right. So Ryder Burton. Uh, real quick, quarterback out of Springville High School, got a scholarship offer. And, and right now, things it looks like he is the primary option for Aaron Roderick. Uh, Israel Carter is another quarterback that BYU had offered like years ago uh, that 
put BYU in his top four and he's set to announce this week. People have been asking me about Israel Carter. He's never visited BYU. I don't think that that's where he's going to go. But, I mean, crazy things happen. Uh, but I think Ryder Burton is QB1. Six foot one reminds me a lot of Jaron Hall at Maple Mountain. And that, that, that comparison, like you have to listen to what I said. He does not remind me of Jaron Hall that we saw in 2021 wearing BYU blue. He reminds me of Jaron Hall that was playing at Maple Mountain High School five years ago. Like Ryder Burton has a ton of development to become what Jaron Hall is today. But that's who he kind of reminds me of. He's athletic enough. Moves, moves around. He's not, you know, he's not as fast as Jared Hall, but the way he throws the, the aggressive nature that he, you know, like he throws the ball hard. He, he tries to make plays. He's extending plays. Reminds me a lot of the way Jared Hall plays. So interesting offer, no other scholarship offers, but you know, I know that's not typically our favorite thing to do. Uh, this scholarship offer came with a very, very, very loud endorsement from John Beck. Uh, Ryder has worked with John Beck, and I have been told that that is a very big reason why Ryder got this offer from Aaron Roderick, because John Beck believes that, that, that Ryder Burton's going to be somebody special. And who am I to argue with John Beck? I'll argue with a lot of people, but John Beck has a track record of working with elite quarterbacks. If he says, hey, this kid's got something, uh, John Beck's resume commands respect. So you kind of got to listen. Yeah, and that's really what it is. It just comes down to quarterbacks are really hard to project, and they're unless it's like you know Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields, five star coming out of high school, everybody knows you're going to be good. Um, but if you've worked with John and John says you're good, then Aaron Roderick should just take that and run with it, right? Like, and it's not we haven't seen a ton of quarterback offers, but it's not like Roderick hasn't been talking to people. And I know we've talked about this on the show, right? It's the jury is still out because he has yet to, he developed Zach Wilson, but you know, we haven't seen him like go out and like identify someone as a sophomore, recruit them, bring them in, coach them up, whatever, like the kind of the full cycle of it. And so the jury is still out on that, right? And so that is kind of something there, but it's not like he, this is the first person that he has. And it's like, oh, it's someone for Spiegel. It's like you said, I think he has evaluated upwards of 50 quarterbacks that he has talked to. It's just not public, right? Just because it's not public doesn't mean it's not happening. He's talked to like close to 50 quarterbacks, evaluated all their film, you know, seen a bunch of them throw, talked to their private coaches, whatever. And John says, Hey, this is the guy, like he probably had his like top tier, whatever of like, Hey, here's our top three or five. But then if John says, no, this is, this is the one, trust me, then that's probably going to, you know, like if you got three and you're looking for a reason to pick one out of the three and John Beck says, yeah, I've coached this dude. He's the, he's legit. I would choose that one too. Yeah, I would too. The thing that I find interesting is that we've all assumed Jackson Brousseau out of Lehigh is going to be recruited. He has been recruited. It's going to be offered by Aaron Roderick. Aaron or uh, uh, Brousseau also trains with John Beck. And it sounds like Ryder got the endorsement. Not that he doesn't think Jackson Brousseau is good, but just like more data points to consider that Ryder Burton was offered and it was in large part due to John Beck's endorsement 
presumably that same endorsement could have been there for Jackson Brousseau. If it means anything to anybody, I endorse Jackson Brousseau. I think he's going to be a very, very special quarterback. So there's that. Right. We need to start talking about somebody that most people don't know about. And this is going to be our last thing. And maybe we'll put it in here because we've been, uh, you and I talked for like an hour before we actually started recording. So maybe it just feels like we're going a lot longer than we are. I, I but, don't know. I don't know the answer. It feels like it. it feels like it, we've been talking forever. My, my head is also stuffed up because of my surgery. So it's like, I, I hate the sound of my voice at this moment. <laughs> Yikes. The, uh, yes, we do need to start talking about this. And that is the name of Greg Vehar. Why don't you tell who did, who did he replace? What was that guy's name? Mike, I don't remember. Mike Middleton. Was that the guy that had been there forever? Yes. And then he went over and he's like at the law school now or something. Ah, Cougar Club, folks. We're talking about the Cougar Club. Um, Greg Vehar is just an old school Cougar Club guy. He's been there forever. He's now the Cougar Club director. <sighs> I don't know, man. Like, it's just, it's the same conversation that we've had forever. So there were some changes immediately after Mike Middleton, apparently, uh, left his post as the Cougar Club director. Uh, there were some people who were brought into the, to, to the Cougar Club. There was some excitement. The, they were trying to do some new things. And, and I don't know, was it, was it BYU that killed it? Like BYU, the institution? Was it Greg Vehar as the Cougar Club director that just wanted to do things in an old-fashioned way? I don't know. But the Cougar, the Cougar Club is back on its bullshit, man. Like, they're doing things. It's just so slow. And, and I want to pull this up because this is what's listed on Greg Vehar's profile on BYUCougars.com responsibilities he manages and oversees services for nearly 5,000 cougar club members i don't know that i'd put that on the internet man 5,000 cougar club members given the number of byu alumni well that's a pretty terrible number. there's like half a million living alumni plus all like you're not an alumnus right like your wife didn't go to byu right right like that's it's my mom didn't go to byu my dad did but my mom didn't neither of my in-law like my mother-in-law didn't go to byu but it's like, oh, it's I'm a member of the church. My kids went there or whatever. It's like people who have no ties to the school other than the church roof of BYU. Like that is an embarrassingly low number. Embarrassing low. Uh, the next bullet point is provide football and basketball ticketing support for club members. This is the director of the Cougar Club. And the second responsibility listed on the website is ticketing support. No, folks, you hire a student intern for that. The Cougar Club director needs to be driving initiatives that create more demand for tickets that then result in the need for more student interns to handle the ticketing support. The Cougar Club director drives that engagement. Okay, number three, responsible for putting on numerous events each year. Great and continue to grow the Cougar Club membership. Just kind of underwhelming, and I get it. It's just a website. It's not like the full-fledged job description. I don't want to like sit here and say that the Cougar Club director isn't doing anything, 
But that job description sure doesn't make me feel like there's a lot of like expectations for what this position is supposed to perform. That makes me feel like, hey, we got 5,000 members. Don't lose any. We'll just keep going and we'll, we'll try to get the donations from those bajillion dollar donors. And uh, that's all we care about. There's been a lot of donors. There's been a lot of increase in, in money into the program. But is that going to stick? What is the long-term plan for the Cougar Club? What are the benefits for the Cougar Club? And what is going to change? And so after, you know, it's, we pushed the, sh- the club on the show, right? Because after Isaac Wood got hired, he reached out to us. We talked about the ideas. He was gung-ho. He was pushing them. He's no longer with the Cougar Club. So it appears from our side that things have stalled. And but I wrote about this on Monday, right? It's like the, well, we've had the most dangerous mindset that BYU can have right now is we are getting more donations than we've ever gotten before. So things are good, right? That is, you only have 5,000 Cougar Club members. Maybe it's a little more. Maybe you got 10, it's 7,000 now because 1,500 people have signed up for 20 bucks a month after, which by the way, if you did sign up for a monthly charge, that will terminate after 12 months. You are not on a lifetime subscription of charging me 20 bucks a month until I tell you to stop. Um, That, you know, it's like, that is an embarrassingly low number given the size of fan base, the whatever. And so it's even if, you know, do some campaigns, get more people that are 10 bucks. And we've talked about this before. Clemson's booster club is called Ipte. You know how many, when I lived in South Carolina, you know how many freaking Ipte license plates I saw? And it's it named that because it started in like the 50s or whatever. And it stands for I pay 10 a year. Like it was literally just like, let's get as many people in the door paying 10 bucks a year to donate to Clemson football in 1950. And now obviously there's all sorts of different things, but I think they still have a $10 a year donation where it's like, hey, you don't want to give anything else? That's fine. We'll take 10 bucks from you. Like, we're not going to turn anybody away. If you got money, give it to us. And I don't know, like, it just, the BYU is in a very unique spot that is very hard. They have to deal with that really no other school has to, is where there is nary another school that has nearly the number of -of out-of-state fans that we do. And that is a very unique challenge that other fundraising departments don't have to worry about nearly as much because for the most part your people stay fairly like regionally close to the university yeah uh, to where offering football tickets or getting them back on campus is enough of an enticement where BYU is different they need to focus on how they are different and doing what they're different, the number of people. So I, I had my experience where I felt realized that my Cougar Club membership expired like six months ago because it had hit 12 months and I was apparently supposed to manually go in and renew it. I thought I was set to charge a go on autopilot and just charge me every month. That's we've so talked, dumb. we've talked over a dozen people on our discord server said that the same thing happened to them. I talked to some of my friends and said, yeah, I logged in because I was a Cougar club member. I logged in to buy my NIET tickets. And I, this is an actual conversation I had with one of my friends. 
I was a Cougar Club member, so I got in to log in to get my NIT tickets. And then it said I wasn't a member, so I wasn't eligible to buy the tickets yet. And I said, oh, well, I'm moving to Texas in two months, so I'm not going to join because it doesn't really do anything for me to be an out-of-state member. I'll just save the money and go to, you know, when they come play a game down in Texas, I'll use the money on tickets for that. It's upsetting, right? Like, like it's send, just like, send me a shirt that says like has the state of Arizona with a Y logo on it. You know, and there are people who are going to help you do that. Right. If you wanted to do anything like that, there are people there. Send me, send me a water bottle, send me whatever, like send me something that costs you $4 a month to fulfill. And you charge me $20 a month and you will get people to sign up. Yeah, it's just, it's mind boggling. Actually, let me, I forgot to go look at the, my Twitter poll the other day. Cause I did, I did do a poll and obviously, you know, I don't have the, this is not the most exact, uh, what do we call it here? Speaking of Twitter selection, I, uh, I hit 8,000 followers. Ooh, nice. A couple of weeks ago. That's a big deal for you. Uh, and I just pulled it up. 83.83 is what I'm at right now. Ah. And I would bet you that 7,500 of them are high school kids. Huh. So I'm probably on a watch list is the, <laughs> the moral of this story. Yeah. Okay. So I have here. Let me see. This is – I got to break this down here. So I did a Twitter poll and I said, for the BYU count, are you a Cougar Club member? I got 121 votes. So the on this Twitter poll, so not an exact science, but it's not nothing, right? According to statistics, I need to have at least 30 for my results to be statistically significant, but obviously not an exact thing. So of these, I had four options. Yes in state, no in state. Yes out of state, no out of state. 49.6% of the people said they live in the state of Utah and are not a Cougar Club member. So that's 60 of the 120 said, yes, I live here, but I am not a Cougar Club member. That's a problem. 28% said, yes, I li live in Utah and I am a Cougar Club member. So 121 times eight. Okay, so that's like 34 people. So 61, 60 people said, no, not in state. 34 people said yes in state. So that leaves 16. Uh, how many is that? 94. So our out of state voters was not as many, right? We had 27 out of state voters, but I think that's probably, you know, pretty indicative. Right? I mean, that's like 25, 30% of the engaged fan base lives out, outside of Utah. Okay. 4% said yes, they are an out of state member. And 18.2% said no, they're an out-of-state member of the total. So we've got a one to one times here. We only had five people say out of 120 said, I live out of the state and I am a Cougar Club member. So that was five out of 27, which is, you know, we at in the Utah for the in-state people, it was a third of them were a member, but the out-of-state people, we had like, a sixth, you know, basically our conversion, the conversion rate of engaging fans is half as much based on this tiny, tiny poll. If you expand it, it's probably even less, but it's like, yeah, give me, send me something once a month that give, send me something that costs you $6 to fulfill every month. And I would probably bump my thing from 
like I would add 20 bucks to my, you know, like it doesn't have to be like a quid pro quo just, thing. Just, just ask, something. ask Kalani to like sign a thousand posters over the course of the next six months that you're sending out to people in random states. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, that's the thing. You don't even have to do it. Just make it a drawing. Postage. Like that, that's nothing. Right. right. It doesn't even have to be to everyone. It's just like, Hey, we are going to send 10 things to Kalani sign posters to Cougar Club members from the state of Maryland. Go sign Very up. Very strange. I don't understand it. Um, the other thing I want to talk about, and I, I'm almost hesitant, Garrett. What do you think experience would be required to be a Cougar Club director? I have no idea. This is a, gen, a, a genuine question. I mean... Honestly, I don't think it's you have to be a good salesperson, like people skills because you are schmoozing large boosters. And then honestly, it's one of those like give me hunger above all else. That was the best part about Isaac Wood. He did he there was just I mean, he'd been involved with coaching and cross country and stuff before, but it's like he was just hungry and wanted to be innovative and wanted to come. He just up with wanted it. to win. He wanted it didn't to come matter up with what it was, as many ideas as possible, and figure out what stick. Just try everything new that you can, and wanted to go way outside the box of what BYU is all done. That's all I care about. Well, I I, I don't want to just like pile on this guy, but it's like I because it, I don't think it's his fault. Like they've got here on his profile. His years at BYU, he's been at BYU since 1993. So, I mean, this is the bulk of his professional career. And, and, and I don't think that it's his fault, but I think we're getting what you would expect. Uh, he worked at, what is the BYU UPB? I don't know what that is. Do you have any idea? Um, I don't know. BYU. Anyway, he worked at the BYU UPB and MTC Copy Center from 1993 oh, to 2000. That's the university print building. Ah, there we go. So he worked there. From 1993 to 2000, 2000, he moved over to the Cougar Club as an assistant director where he worked for 20 years, and now he's the Cougar Club director. Like, you're not getting innovation, and you're not getting, you know, you're not getting anybody who is challenging the status quo, but that doesn't really seem like the kind of guy who would, right? Like, that's not Greg Vahar's fault that he's not challenging the status quo, like, you're getting a guy who was there for 20 years. He is the status quo. Like, what's he going to challenge? Right. It's just tough, man. It's just tough for me to see, you know, 65,000 people show up to watch a game against Dixie State in November, but then only 5,000 members are in the Cougar Club. Like, that doesn't add in my head. We had a demand uh, that there were 15,000 people who went and watched BYU versus Washington state in the NIT, but we only have 5,000 Cougar club members. I can't reconcile that. Like those numbers don't make sense. That's it. That's all I'm saying. I just, uh, we're back on the Cougar club is back on their bullshit and we're back on our rant. Like this has got to change. Uh, the last thing that I think I want to wrap up this show with, I know we said that was the last thing, but we have some semi-breaking news. Breaking news. Do, 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 do. Darren Ravel, who I just absolutely oh, love. Worst. He tweeted this out. There have been three $1,000 bets on Utah State 
to win the national championship this year. They just got their Aggies mixed up. I'm like, yeah, what drunk Utah State fans went down there? Like, oh, that's a good idea. Let's, let's go down, throw $1,000 on them Aggies. Well, if they win the national championship, we'll win $100,000. A bajillion. We can milk, we can milk the cows for days with all that winnings. Dude, it was, I can tell you probably who that was, right? It was one of them was like, okay, at least two of those were put on the corporate credit card for Cash Valley Electric. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Absolutely the, yes. That is what what who are they? The the orbs, the lorbs. Yeah. And then Bob? the last one was from Nordic Track. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Gosner's. Gosner's might have got in on that too. Just seems like, look, give us your thousand dollars or donate your thousand dollars to Randy Gunn's auction because at least then that thousand dollars, you're never going to see it back, but you'll get a cool piece of art and you will directly help uh, people in Ukraine. Yes. So Randy reached out to me this morning and he is an artist. Like he, you know, he's a very good artist. I looked at the paintings he has on like, it's like Randy gun art. If you go to his Twitter profile, it's in the bio there. So Randy has said, Hey, I want to do a commission P a small commission piece, or like donate something that I have in my studio to this, like, let's do an auction or a raffle or something. So if you go to buymeacoffee.com slash G E H B and donate to our tip jar, we will be counting those as raffle tickets and it's $5 per ticket or four for or five for 20 um, is what we're going to be doing. So the, we'll put that link in the bio and go check it out. Everything. Randy will be sending you the piece. I will be taking, we'll be taking all the money and sending it over to Andre who we had on as a bonus guest a couple of weeks ago. So go check that out. If you have not already and let's see how much we can get this thing sold for. Well, not sold for, because it's not an auction. It's a raffle. It's actually a giveaway because raffles are illegal if you are not a 501c3. So tip us yeah, and we will be yeah. doing a surprise giveaway. There we go. I learned that. I tried to do an actual raffle website and you're like, oh, it wouldn't let me because That's this is dumb. Yeah. So anyway, Jeff, it has been a great episode. Uh, we will, we, we missed last week, but we're back on our bullshit and we're back on our rants and we are back for fighting everything we're about fight everything worth fighting for in the BYU world of BYU. It's well, who Just we are, man, and that's what we stand for. One week at a time, we are not speaking only for ourselves, but we represent all fans and complaining about everything that is wrong and praising everything that is right. And so Amen. until next week, Jeff, let's keep giving them hell. Give them hell.